from the KUAM Podcast Network, this is Arlene Live with conversation on island issues facing Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands. Now, here's Arlene. of June 2019 and this interview is with the poet Larry It's really nice to see you again and I would like to know what happened on this last voyage. I was in Luta. They told me you guys were coming in about 10 o'clock-ish and then you didn't leave until 9. So what happened? So yeah, thank you. It's good to see you, Aline. We had made plans to to voyage to Luta uh, with TASA group. And so uh, the original plan was for us to leave on uh, Saturday morning, or at least by Saturday noon, and making it into Luta by Sunday morning. Um, you know, there were some last-minute preparations, some last-minute stuff that needed to be done. But anyways, the voyage uh, left at night at around about 9 o'clock at night or so when we finally pulled the canoes out. We had two canoes, by the way, so we had the Finnegatsen with six people on board, and I was on that canoe, and uh, Quest with four other people on that canoe. We had a chase boat, too. That was a small yacht, 25-footer, uh, with an outboard motor that was going to sail up with us and escort with all our supplies. So all of us pulled out at about 9 o'clock and started heading out the channel hoisted sail and we start sailing up, the wind and all conditions were in favor of uh, going up. Of course, when we cleared the Retidian Point, it became clear that the water was uh, uh, very choppy and the wind started picking up some speed. Um, Sometime we had tried to maintain communication with everybody to make sure that uh, we were all in in, uh, close contact with everybody. Uh, however, through the night, we lost uh, communication with the escort uh, yacht. We maintained co- contact with the smaller canoe, the Quest, with four people on it, until much later into the night when we also lost uh, communication with them. Uh, early in the morning, by sunrise, we uh, noticed that the other canoe was still around, the smaller one. Uh, so, But they were further downwind than us, we, we were much up. Uh, my estimation at that time was roughly about uh, less than 15 miles to Rhoda. Uh, had we not encountered some problems, we would probably make it to Rhoda just as we had predicted. So we had, uh, when we spotted the smaller canoe, we were uh, trying to go downwind with them to check their conditions since we had been hammered throughout the night and we wanted to make sure that they were okay. And, but as we were uh, just about to do that, the first part of the mast broke and we had to lower the sail. Uh, and so between myself and, and Isaiah, of course, who's an experienced crew of mine that also voyaged with me to Fespac, managed to do uh, the repair, uh, some uh, repair on it. And then we hoisted sail again and we sailed, and not too long afterward, the second part of the mast broke, and this one was a complete snap, so it, it just basically put the mast into two pieces, 
and uh, we then uh, took some time when, when when the second one happened because we had to remove all the everything that was on the mast and recarve it so we could the best we can of course in choppy water that could be very challenging uh, and then we lashed, uh, reattached uh, for the second time, reinforcing boat. So then we uh, continue on sailing. Uh, we've lost the uh, side of the smaller canoe by this time. So we, we then just sailed down thinking if, if they had uh, made it to Rhoda, we will catch up with them. Uh, but later on we saw, we spotted them. This was at least, uh, I think, either 10 or less than 10 miles away from Rhoda. Uh, and then we noticed that the smaller canoe was still uh, upwind from us this time. Uh, but with our condition of uh, the wind shifting around and a broken mast, uh, second time it broke, we, uh, we had to wait for them to come in, to come closer to us to make some kind of decision because Nightfall was coming, it was around three uh, or so, and we wanted to make sure for everyone's safety that we were able to get to land. Um, so we decided that we could call for uh, assistance from the Coast Guard for, uh, for them to perhaps tow us into Rhoda uh, so that we can repair the damage and then uh, and sail back to Guam. Uh, not long after requesting the assistance, the uh, uh, rescue chopper came from the U.S. Navy and, and circle above, hoover above both canoes. We were, of course, about uh, four miles or three miles apart. We could spot each other, but no communication as the smaller canoe had drained their battery. The chopper then, after circling the, the canoes for two or three times, it went and stopped on top of the smaller canoe. And uh, uh, it spent some time there. We started noticing people coming down, going up. Uh, and then about an hour later or so, the chopper left. And then we saw the sail on the smaller canoe fell down. Um, and we were just, we were told by them also, the rescue chopper to to lower our sail and, and adrift. Um, so that's what happened from like three o'clock on all the way until the night. Uh, there was no rescue boat or no uh, towing boat that came out of Rhoda, even though we were well within towing range of, I'd say about 10 or even less than 10 miles. Uh, that didn't happen, so we were drifting uh, all night uh, until the morning came and by then we've lost sight of uh, Rhoda and of course Guam. Um, that's when I had to make some kind of decision of what to do. We have obviously had been drifting all night. We had a broken mast still and uh, something had to be done. So I called uh, the Coast Guard. Luckily we could still reach them and confirm that uh, 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 at least one person or two were still on the smaller canoe because after they uh, hoisted everybody up, the sail fell and I think part of the IPEP, the extension, uh, was, you know, by the strong wind of the chopper, perhaps maybe pushed it inward and have it standing up. So it looked 
I could have sworn just like any person standing on that canoe and, and uh, throughout the night we were signaling to it and calling uh, on VHF, ask, you know, just attempting to reach contact with anyone that was still on the canoe so we could be closer together. This is Arlene Live and we've got more coming up in just a moment. Buenas and Havre, I'm Lacey Martinez Francisco. If you're hungry or have a passion about everything food, then I've got just the show for you, with me. Each week I bring you Foodie Call, a show about all aspects of how we Guamanians enjoy our cuisine, preparing it, consuming it, sharing it, using it as social currency, and talking endlessly about it. We also profile people in our community who are masters of their crafts in working with food. Whether you eat with your eyes or can't wait to fill your stomach, or if you're a perfectionist about the process, you'll enjoy Foodie Call right here on the KWM Podcast Network. So lock in our show by subscribing to our feed on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, or on your favorite podcatcher platform. And get our freshest episodes delivered right to your device when we're done cooking them. We'll see you then, and we'll make you a plate. Now, more Arlene Live on the KUAM Podcast Network. during the night we lost the beacon that we had indicated our location to so early morning I had to make the decision of what whether to uh, uh, you know call for the chopper to come back and get us or but I saw the condition of our canoe damaged as it was I still think that it was repairable we could still put we still have a few more spare parts uh, iron wood that were still lying around that we could use and a few leftover strings that we could still use. And so that's what we did. We just had to reinforce it as much as we can. The mast, after being broken third time, reinforce it again. Uh, and then uh, told, I told the Coast Guard that we were going to do the best repair we can and uh, search land so we can come home. The easiest uh, way for us, based on wind direction and the waves, because the waves were picking up, you know, certainly more than 10 feet high waves that were pounding on us. I said the easiest way was for us to return back to Guam instead of forcing our way up to Rhoda. Uh, but I had to push further east uh, because we thought that we could still spot the quest after we learned that there was. Oh, but yeah, that morning when I called the Coast Guard and, and I was told no one was on that canoe, it was only us and we were adrift, uh, I said, okay, this was, I told them, then we're going to repair our canoe and we're going to seek for lands. And, and we did exactly that. We reinforced it the best and started sailing uh, east. So actually we were searching also for the smaller canoe, the Quest. Uh, even though there was no people on it, we wanted to search for it during that in the morning to see if we can find it uh, and if possible to tow it or to return her home. Did you? No luck for us. Of course, the Coast Guard didn't like that, that we were uh, going to do some search for our own canoe after requesting for help. Um, so we did that uh, sail up east 
as much as we can until I knew that we were in right uh, position to sail downwind with the least resistance of all elements, including high waves and and winds. Then we did. Then we would uh, change course and start heading toward Guam. So all day yesterday, from uh, I think we restarted repair, repairing our broken canoe by 5 a.m. all the way until 9 or at least before 9 we started to hoist the sail and, and uh, sail back uh, searching for the other canoe and repositioning ourselves to come home safely and I think at about around this time we made it home safe and by the time we got here we noticed that all four crew on the smaller canoe were there to welcome us and that's uh, when I had asked them if there was any damage to the canoe and they were very confused. They said, no, we, at least my boys, the canoe is in good shape. The canoe broke the sail only when the chopper came on top of them and they got too low down that the wind from the, from the helicopter snapped the, the sail. And, uh, but they actually, the boys on the smaller canoe went as close in to water as they could, spotted, you know, houses and, and stuff, but they, they, they actually turned around to came back to search for us when they noticed that we weren't following or we weren't ahead. So and, in uh, practicality, was that a smart move on their part or should they have continued their voyage? In practicality and in traditional practice, that was a smart move. They need to they need to make sure that the pairing canoe was was okay. And when they saw that they, we were okay, they then start turning around so that both of us could. Well, we were okay in that our sail was up, but we were already running 50% or so on on repair, temporary repair. But we could make it. And in fact, the irony of it was that you know we had. We had uh, triggered the request for assistance to, to be towed, the bigger canoe, Finnegatson, not the small canoe. But they went to the wrong canoe, they picked up the, the they were all okay, and, and then in that process also broke that canoe's mast or the sail, they fell down. And no communication to us about what had happened, so we were assuming all night that someone was there. Had we known that that, that was the case, we would have do our best while the chopper left and, and go and rescue, tow that canoe into Rhoda, you know, do the best we can. So this was one of those, you know, miscommunication. And as far as I'm concerned, it was like, oh, it wasn't so good that, uh, but the bigger picture is everybody's safe. And I'm that's, happy that everybody made it So That's always important, but it's already almost historic that Trying to get up north from here is a real challenge, and that particular sailing vessel has had problems in the past, hasn't it? Well, yeah, Finnegatsen has had when they went to Saipan on it, it sunk, and I think, uh, you know, there's been some instances uh, in the past. It's a, it's a hard canoe to sail, I must say, I must admit that. So yes, there's a... Um, yeah, I think there's been, you know, instances in the past specific to this canoe. You know, mind you, the sea lane between here and especially here in Rhoda is very choppy because they're big islands, they're close together, Mariana's Trench is not too far away. 
and that's you know that's known to all of us. We, you know, we were always told about uh, this sea lane and the challenging part of having to sail, uh, especially from Guam up, because Guam coming down is downwind. You know, Luta is a bit to the east of Guam, so if the if it is a easterly or even if it's uh, you know you you're bound to sail a bit into the wind and, and if you need to shunt around, you will have to do that. Don't go away. There's more coming up with Arlene Live on the KUAM Podcast Network. Hey everyone, I'm Ken Nicholas, and I love movies. No, I mean I really love movies. And if there's one thing I enjoy more than dissecting plots, questioning casting choices and challenging scenes, it's debating with my friends and their opinions about their favorite flicks. You can't handle the truth! So join me and my cohort of cinephiles each and every Tuesday for Real Talk, right here on the KUAM Podcast Network. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. We cover best of lists, actors' top roles, and don't pull any punches when it comes to giving props about what's big on the silver screen, streaming, and on video. Ah, just make sure to bring your own popcorn. So lock in our show by subscribing to our feed on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, or on your favorite podcatcher platform. That's right, Janice. What's made of? Your mom's chest hair. That's Real Talk, each Tuesday, right here as part of the KUM Podcast Network. Speaking of which, let's go back to your show. I guess the only thing I can say is I'll promise to keep rocking and rolling and making better films. <laughs> Now, back to the conversation with Arlene Live. For this specific canoe, Finnegatsen, I mean, this is my first time to sail her in open ocean uh, to Rhoda and experiencing her, uh, you know, she helped, but you would ha almost have to have like uh, real uh, capable arms, experienced seafarers to, to take that because first it's very difficult for you to bail a, a V-shaped canoe that you can hardly fit in. And I'm used to my canoes where it's big, so that you can bail, because bailing is important, even though it's like the most, uh, you know, small, the, the smallest component of a canoe is a baler. It, it has the biggest function when you're out in the open ocean, you know? So that was one, and then the other component of the canoe itself, uh, they, they, she runs well, she, you know, she sails, uh, fine, but uh, bailing is difficult, and and uh, you know when you have canoes that are not like used on a daily basis, uh, you can expect that uh, we did the best we could in in trying to refit it her before the voyage. But uh, you know there was just uh, in a short period of time, and and also uh, you know there has to be. There's some errors on our part of overlooking what may not be visible until you get out 
into the ocean. So that's, that's always a trial and error thing, right? Oh yes. Sailing is. It in, is that. In all my observations, my hat goes off to you because the persistence is obviously necessary. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, Sandra's asked me to sail with you guys, and I'm always 50% there, but my feet are still on ground <laughs> because I keep thinking, "Whoa, what are we going to do? We're just drifting." Um, that that scares me. Well, you know, I mean, the, this was my first voyage between Guam and Rota. And to experience that, you know, as challenging, as difficult as it was, I am happy to have had that experience because, you know, it, it just kind of like, for me personally, reinforces what my ancestors have been saying. It's like, okay, this, and then on top of it, to be able to pull out of that. I mean, we, I know that uh, if there, were, I'm sure that some of our crew, particularly those that or you know first time or they I did what I could to keep the to keep the spirit alive and to make sure that there's no panic and that everybody feels safe that's my responsibility and I made sure that that was the case how do and you I do know, that with three vessels though Larry well no well in that case the canoe that I was on oh. but with the other vessels that were around you know I, I had to just maintain communication and said but when the situation happened uh, to us is two days ago that it, it broke communi communication and all that, then my responsibility was confined to the bigger canoe as the lead navigator on it and ensuring that everybody is safe and, and uh, you know, it's just... Was your voyage a direct shot to Luta? Yes, okay. it was going to be a direct shot to Luta. So that would have, I mean, of course the fastest is always direct. Mm -hmm. But if you were to do it again, would you tack it a little bit more to the west and... Uh, well, actually to the east. To the east? Yeah, okay. go to the... If I were to... I mean, the conditions, the wind for us on Saturday night and Sunday was good enough for us to go direct. Or at least if we hit Luta, we'll just be a little bit to the west of it and then we, we shunt and go into Rota. But you know, it all depends on where the wind is coming from. Preferably, the next voyage, maybe the wind will position itself directly from south. Mm -hmm. Then that sail with the wind straight up to Rhoda. But we all know that that's, that's not, uh, you know, common. Because in our part of the world, you know, uh, 80 or 90 percent is all trade wind coming east. And then the rest is few on the westerly wind. So but. right now we're sitting here at Aspen Park and we're sitting on the beach side mm -hmm. and that's a pretty strong gust that we're getting here. Mm -hmm. How, what is the gust of this wind? I think, you know, the for now it's, you know, between 15 to 20 okay. knots, but I think when we were out there it was it was about the same 15 to 20 gusting. But, you know, it's different when you're on land than when you're on ocean with the wind. Even though they're the same speed, you, you feel it harder when you're out in the open ocean. And it, nothing else yeah, to absorb it. Nothing you? to absorb but you. And, you know, same with the wave. Nothing to absorb but you. Because <laughs> the wind is picked up, I mean, the wave's picked up by the wind. It makes it... Uh, so how many people did you have on your... I had six, six yeah, which was a good load, okay. uh, but, you know, 
and the other smaller canoe four. So there were a total of ten, plus the chase boat that had three. The chase boat uh, is motorboat. It's a motor yacht. A motor. And the yacht, the sail, their sail broke first, so they had to. You know, so if uh, is it the I wind that's yes, uh, and the choppiness of the so if a, if a, if a metal post breaks. breaks, then you can expect that the, the smaller canoe though it held up their sail held up, you know, because we also have the mechanism of reducing force and stress on sail and mast, and we did all of those, but uh, you know, I mean. We just didn't see what was inside the mast that was weak and had to break, so. Stay where you are. The conversation continues with Arlene Live when we come back. From broadcast sales to marketing and public relations, from newspaper columnist to talk show host. Sound challenging enough for you? Not for Arlene Live, who went on to be president of an advertising and marketing agency, then a newspaper managing editor and an investigative reporter, all in just 20 years. Now she's back as an ethnographer and oral historian. And you can now find Arlene Live Monday mornings on the KUAM podcast Network. Tune in and learn the oral histories of Itautautanu, the people of the Mariana Islands, and the Palawan and Rafalawish people of Micronesia. She's personal, she's local, straight up, and so much more. She's Arlene Live, now on the KUAM Podcast Network. The conversation continues now on the KUAM Podcast Network with Arlene Live. But we made it safe. Well, that's, and, the, and uh, that's, that's the important part. That's the important part, and I'm glad that you're back. And I always look forward to a talk with you. And I, I really do look forward to you making that journey. I, I will do it again, there. and you, you're welcome to come uh, on it. You know, I mean, I, if I'm braver. Yeah, if there <laughs> are need some. need a really wide canoe for me. <laughs> you need our canoes, yeah, yeah. because... Uh, I need comfort, I, man. I, I, I'm, a, I'm spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But maybe one day. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting there, but... Yeah, I think it, it's worth... Uh, if I go in your canoe, because I know you know your canoe, maybe that'd yeah. be different. But. Yeah, if it's our, if it's my canoes, okay, I, I'll take you for sure. Okay, say, for okay. sure, that's a deal. Yeah, that one I can be sure that okay, yeah. you're. But I was getting used to the bigger canoe here, Finnegans, and yeah. you know she's good. She sails. She's smooth on calmer water. Maybe on harder, harder waves and bigger uh, wind. The challenge is how you. How you bail it, and how, how do you get the water out? So, any regrets? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, well, maybe the the only bit of regret I had was calling the Coast Guard mm. to come for that rescue, assuming that they would understand to be that we could just be towed. You know, our, oh. we're, we're traditional canoes. We were safe. We were okay. And so, the regret that I have is like that I assumed that they would understand because we were well within reach. All we needed was to pull the Finnegatsen in, let the smaller canoe sail in, 
and then we did the repair and we come back to Guam. Well, it sounds like you're going to need to talk to them in case that happens well, in the future before you go I, Yeah, it's, you know, it's this kind of things that, you know, the, the two systems need to understand right. how they work. Right, yeah? right. So I maybe, can appreciate yeah. the fact that uh, the Coast Guard and with their rescue mission would just extract people because it's, it's a matter of life and death. Yeah. But they've got to understand, too, that for traditional voyagers, uh, that's already part of our mission, yeah. is that when we go out, we understand the condition, you know, and, and we will not, you know, we will do the best we can and, uh, unless we're, our canoe is completely broken into pieces and we're swimming. You want to make it. Then, yeah, but we want to make it. Maybe, so, maybe uh, what you do then is before you go in your next journey, you know, let them know that at all costs, tow is in first. Um, yeah, absolutely. For for closer range like this. Right. Uh, I mean, if, yeah. you're, if you're way off course, that's yeah, that's different. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, but your your 15 miles, you know, that, that doesn't seem like a lot. Much less than that, and it was yeah. like you know we could. You could you see water? Oh yeah, it was so big. Like I said, the small canoe went all the way in until they were able to see houses and then they had to turn around. Based on their knowledge of seafaring, which I, I would have done the same if I were in their shoes. Uh, did you was, train them? Yes, they are boys that and I they trained. they did exactly yeah. what you trained them to yeah. do. That they were, every time you're pairing a, in a voyage, you've got to look out for each other. Thank you again. No, thank you. Another Larry Regatol event. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let me give a hug. Oh my goodness. So nice to see you. Yeah. Say hi to your husband. I will me. do that. You've been listening to Arlene Live on the KUAM Podcast Network. Join her every Monday for a new edition. Log on soundcloud.com slash KUAM news or listen anytime. Scroll down and click on Arlene. We welcome your feedback and suggestions. Email Arlene, R-L-E-N-E at ArleneLive.com. Thanks for listening.